The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So, we're about five weeks into this. We've got a couple more weeks. And the focus is, is we tend to be really individualistic people, don't we? We talk about being a team... But often it boils down to, you know, if you're going to get it done, you've got to do it yourself. And we're, we focus on being self-made, self-sufficient individuals when Jesus has called us to be his body, reflecting him to the world. Um, and again, the last verse in Ephesians chapter 1, I just love the description. If that could be our vision for the church, the body the fullness of him who fills all in all. That, that's the church. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Meaning, what the world sees when they see us is they see Jesus or they don't see Jesus, right? And that's, that's uh, what excites me about the body and becoming this thing that uh, God has intended us to be better together. So we're going to read Ephesians 4, 7 to 16, if you want to follow along. Just an incredible passage about the church. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Notice, not as we deserved, thankfully, right? (laughs) But as Christ designed or planned it to be. This is why it says, and this is a quote from Psalm 68, 18, a messianic psalm. When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does it, he ascended, mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. That can almost sound like a tongue twister, right? Descended, ascended, ascended, descended. Um, But I think what this captures is beautifully as it moves on in verse 11 to say, and therefore he, Jesus, gave gifts, is that it's, it's showing him as this one who now fills all in all, who accomplished that, First on the cross, as he said, it is finished, paid in full, and he died, and he provided for our sins. And as he was in the grave, he proclaimed that victory over sin, his payment for sin to those who had already died. So that in him, as he rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. And so as we move to verse 11 and him giving gifts, he's giving gifts to us, his people, as the victorious one who has conquered sin and death, risen victorious and is now king of kings and Lord of lords. So Christ himself, as this victorious one, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. 
notice, not to do the works of service themselves, but to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Can you wrap your head around that? Until we all attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we will no longer be infants spiritual infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And too many of us have lived our lives that way, just bounced around by the latest philosophy, the latest book, the latest seminar. But no longer that, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, but instead speaking the truth in love, again, this vision of what we will become, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray just before we dive in here. Father, what a beautiful portrayal you have given us of us, your church, Father, open our eyes, I pray again this morning to see how we can be that church, your people that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. As I studied this passage, the picture that came to my mind was the picture of a tapestry. Um, you know what I mean by tapestry? You look and it, it's uh, there's different tapestries. There's some that have these uh, gorgeous natural landscapes. Uh, Others uh, have complex geometric designs. Um, Some are just an incredible kaleidoscope of colors, but they're all blending together perfectly as one to just put across the, the picture that the artist or the designer intended. That's the front side of the tapestry. But if you were to approach it from the back to start with, you'd look at it and you'd say, who's five-month-old did this? I mean, it's just this tangle of knots and strings that are are frayed and hanging out. And it's, you look at it and you think, that must be Dave that did that. That that would be my artistic ability. Um, Question. Why is it so hard for me or you to be an incredible me or you, as God intended? And I think the answer is, as we've been talking the last weeks and as we're going to look in this passage, is because God didn't intend for us to be individually incredible, but together an amazing, incredible reflection of Jesus, the fullness of of him who fills all in all. I mean, individually, we know, right? Life's hard. And uh, I kind of uh, mistakenly in the first gathering described us as naughty, right? I mean, we are though. Whether it's K-N-O-T-T-Y or N-A-U-G-H-T-Y, I mean, that's us. Yes. Thank you. 
Come on, don't be so pious out there, okay? <laughs> or I'll point out each one. No, I won't do that. Uh, I'll just point out my own, okay? They, but we are. Life's hard, and it's complex, and it's ugly, and it's messy. And, and individually, we're like the back of that tapestry. I mean, knots and strings. and But what we're going to see beautifully in this passage, and this is the big idea that I hope we see, is that when we recognize Jesus' generosity to us, we will then together be a reflection of Jesus' beauty to the world. We recognize Jesus' generosity and we will be reflections of Jesus' beauty. And that's what the world needs to see, right? That's what the world longs to see, is the beauty of Jesus. So, I know we are eager to get to the baptisms, right? So, we're going to just capture four things in Ephesians 4 here that I think are so important for us. Um, So, first of all, we can go back to verse 7. The first point is Jesus' generosity. And I want you to get this. Incredible. We're talking about incredible together. Incredible begins with God. You get that? Incredible begins with God. Now, since I picked on Brian and um, what's your name? Carrie. Carrie, thank you. <laughs> In the first service. This is, I think, how we do it. Think, incredible begins with God, but so often we confuse it in the way we talk with each other. We'll do this. We'll say, I'll say, Carrie, you are incredible. And you are. Brian, you are amazing. Bob, you are too. <laughs> but, but I think what we, when we say that, and because we're so intent on encouraging each other as we should be, and affirming each other as we should be. But often what comes across when we do this is, Carrie, you are just incredible. Just you. Bob. Brian. But we, it's like we, we miss a really important phrase. We are incredible and amazing because God has made us to be incredible and amazing. That's what makes us incredible and amazing. Incredible begins with God. Verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given. To every one of us, grace, God's undeserved goodness has been given to us as Jesus determined and as he knew best. Verse 8, he took many captives. He gave gifts to people. Verse 11, it says, so Christ himself Gave. I mean, our abilities, our gifts, our talents, the bottom line is this is the starting point. It is he who went to the cross, paid the penalty of sin, broke the power of sin and death, and has risen victorious. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Incredible begins with him and his grace. 1 Corinthians 15.10, one of my favorite verses, Paul says, and it's so important because, you know, often we look at a guy like Paul and we think, man, that guy was amazing. And Paul says, it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. Paul, 
It is by the grace of God that I am what I am. And therefore, I labored even more than all the rest of them. It wasn't a cheap grace. It was a grace that, that pushed him to labor even more than anyone else. And yet he ends by saying, and yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Paul's life was gripped and surrounded by God's grace. First Corinthians 4, 7 Paul asks a rhetorical question. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? And the answer is nothing. For God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not receive it? And so the importance as we relate to one another, as we talk to one another as we encourage one another that we remember some questions I want to ask yourself in, in, in Romans 12 6 through 8 it says this we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us it's that word grace again incredible begins with God his generosity if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If your gift is to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Ask yourself, where did your heart of mercy come from? You're just naturally merciful? Wrong answer. I mean, in the course of having started and and directed the Coffee Oasis for years, one of the common things that I am told many times is, you are a good person. Now, those of you that don't know me might think that's true. (laughs) I jokingly say that my nickname is Sweetness. There shouldn't have been any laughing at that time. But, uh, and, I, and I think it's subconsciously or maybe consciously because I know that naturally I am not sweet. My wife, see, I just confessed to her. I just, uh, and my response is, I am not, a, if you would not want to know me if it weren't for God's grace. Question, what about your passion to teach? Your own brilliance? What about your heart to serve? Oh, you're just that kind of person. Your encouraging nature, your leadership ability. Self-evaluation. How God-focused are we? Or are we us consumed? Am I proud of who I am? Or am I grateful for who I am? Incredible begins with God. It's so important. And then it leads to verse 12. Notice it says, Jesus gave these gifts, these gifts here, and then all the other gifts we saw in Romans 12 to equip his people for works of service. He didn't give these gifts that I would then just do my gift and you would do your gift, but he he gave these gifts and these, these positions to equip his people for works of service. Verse 12, we can go to 14 and 15. Notice, 
The point of these gifts is that we would no longer be spiritual infants, maybe 30 years a Christian, but still as if we'd only been three days a Christian, still tossed back and forth by the waves, by the latest thing, by the, by the wind of teaching, but instead speaking the truth in love. The second thing is it starts with incredible begins with God, his generosity, and then godly maturity follows recognizing God's generosity. You see that? We recognize God's generosity and it will lead us to becoming godly maturity. Um, The question, just looking at that, is why do we have gifts given to us by Jesus? They're not to do the work, but they're to equip one another to do the work and to help one another towards maturity in Jesus. We become so me-focused, don't we? God's generosity leads to my maturity as I seek to use his gifts for the good of the body. Self-evaluation. Do I recognize, do you recognize why God has gifted you? Just so you can do what you think God has called you to do or for the good of the body. God's maturity recognizes God's generosity and so it leads to church unity. Verse 12, we go back there again. Notice, to equip his people for works of service The purpose being that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And verse 15, it's a beautiful picture. Notice, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. An important point, I think as we see this, as I individually get God's grace and his grace leads me to personal maturity, that personal maturity then will lead to church unity, body unity. Do you get that? Church unity flows out of individual maturity. We have a bunch of people just wanting to do their own thing and caring about themselves. Unity doesn't happen, right? Unity flows out of maturity. Do we realize what that would look like? Think about it. Each of us teaching, serving, encouraging, showing mercy, each one of us doing our part, the incredible picture. And that's kind of how we end here. Verse 16, it says, From him, Jesus the head, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, every one of us doing our part according to our giftedness, teaching, encouraging, giving, sharing, each of us doing our part, for the good of the body, for the building up of one another in Christ, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work, bringing glory to the head. If we can go back to verse 13, just I love this phrase, attaining to the whole measure 
of the fullness of Christ. That's what, that's what people around us need to see. There might be some of you here this morning that that's what you're longing to see. You, you see the backside of the tapestry. You see the naughty people, right? However you want to spell that. And you're fixated on the tangle and the messiness of the individual lives. Maybe individual lives that are tangled and naughty and that's what life is, but, but maybe because they're not lives that are consumed with the generosity of Jesus and, and the grace of Jesus towards them. So they're being bounced around and beat around by the world. They're not growing up into maturity in Jesus as their hearts and eyes are focused on Jesus. And so as a result, you've got a picture of the body that is the back side of the tapestry tangled and naughty instead of the, the beautiful picture that Jesus intends. Church unity reflects Jesus' beauty. You get that? It's church unity that reflects the beauty of Jesus. It's not you being a superstar or me being a superstar, but it's us together seeing the goodness of God consumed with Jesus, encouraging one another, and then together as a body, reflecting Jesus in a beautiful way to where people are saying, oh my goodness, do do you see them? Do you see the refuge? (laughs) Look at them. (laughs) I want what they have. Jesus must be amazing. Just to conclude, this is the picture the tapestry, each of us with our own personal knots and tangles, right? Woven together as each one of us recognize God's goodness to us. Jesus crucified, risen, pouring out his generosity upon us and us then passing that on to one another, encouraging, serving, showing mercy, teaching, And as we do that, being built together into this beautiful tapestry called the body of Christ. I mean, it's a body, right? It's not one leg trying to run off on its own or one eye twitching on its own or an arm just wanting to do its own thing. That'd be kind of grotesque. (laughs) Um, And that's often what the body looks like, right? But each of us doing our own part in love with Jesus, so grateful to him for how he's gifted us and how we can pass that on to other naughty people just like us (laughs) so that together we'll be that beautiful tapestry. We just want to close by reading the tapestry poem and it's by Corey Ten Boom. It really is talking about us Individually, but I'd also like you to extend that to, to thinking about the diversity and differences and how God weaves that together and tends to weave that all of us together to be this tapestry. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors, just like we can't choose each other, right? <laughs> Unless we're going to keep moving on and on and on. I cannot choose the colors. He weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow. 
And I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth condemn. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice with him. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you that you are the master designer. Uh, Help us to be a people who are just so caught up with your goodness, your grace to us in Jesus. Not fixated on one another, but fixated on Jesus eager to pass Jesus and how Jesus has gifted us on to one another so that together we can be increasingly a beautiful tapestry for the world to see. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Amen.